dusty road, a man alone. His vital signs go on hold. Hi everyone, and thank you for joining us on Dead to Rights, the podcast video for readers, authors, and the crime genre. I'd like to, to talk to you a little bit about a new anthology that's coming out in the fall from Carrick Publishing titled A Grave Diagnosis. And as the title suggests, this will be an anthology of short stories that have the theme, the common theme of an illness. So if you would like to submit a story for our consideration for the anthology, please send it to me at carrotpublishing at rogers.com. And you can find submission guidelines for the anthology at our website, www.carrickpublishing.com. Your story must be between 1,500 and 8,000 words, and it must contain a clear crime, as well as some element of illness in the story that is critical to the crime or the solution. So again, you can send that to Carrick Publishing at rogers.com. The submission deadline is June 1st, and we'll be back to you as soon as we have a chance to review your story. Thank you very much. Now today we've got a great show because we've got an interview with Rosemary McCracken, who is the author of the Pat Tierney mystery series. Her titles include Safe Harbor, Blackwater, Raven Lake, and coming to you in September from Carrick Publishing will be Uncharted Waters. So watch for that um, new book to come out from Rosemary McCracken. Rosemary's going to talk to us about the series as well as about her short stories, so stay with us. But before we bring Rosemary on the line, I have promised to read a public service announcement uh, related to the COVID situation that we're all currently um, experiencing. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands, avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose, and eyes, cover your coughs and sneezes, monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor, stay home and away from other sick people, except for medical care, clean and disinfect highly touched services. For more information, please visit the cdc.gov slash COVID-19, or in Canada, you can look up our government regulatory agencies. Thank you. Can you get down in here and say hello? Hello, hi. Hi, Ed, it's good to see you. Good to see you. This is my husband, Ed, Ed Pivovarczyk, my first editor. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> and Ed is a wonderful editor. If anybody out there is, uh, I don't Thank know if you, you even want the plug, you're probably so busy, but uh, Ed is well. a wonderful editor. I'm going to get back down to work on Rosemary's latest. Okay. Yes. All right. Bye Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And we're going to talk about Rosemary's latest, but first, I know that you're working on a story for a grave diagnosis. I so am. Can you tell me a little bit about that without giving away too much of the plot? Okay, I can't tell you the title because that will give, give away a lot. But it is set in um, Quebec, which I know. Uh, I grew up in Montreal. I went to school in Montreal. Left there when I was about 20. Um, so it's set in Montreal. It's set in the year 1968. Nothing to do with any uh, 
of the historical things that were going on there at the time. Uh, it's a, a young woman who's working at the Montreal Star, which I, I went on to work at myself. I worked there not in '68. I was still in high school, but I, in the '70s, I was I worked there. And um, she, uh, there's a rock, a, a group of rock stars, famous rock stars that are uh, American rock stars that are uh, have rented a uh, cottage and they're spending the summer. And she's determined to get an interview with them. And she drives up, and uh, I won't tell you anymore. So it's it, it, okay. so in the rural area. Not Your enough. setting is wonderful, by the way. 1968 Montreal at the Montreal Star. I love your setting, and um, it'll be really intriguing to see what you've got. I can't wait to receive it. Good. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to hear about your latest, and then we're going to talk about your whole series afterwards. But first, okay. tell me, we'll go backwards. Tell me about your latest first. What is it called? Okay, my, my latest, which uh, I just finished writing, and Ed is editing, and then we'll, we'll, we'll do some other editing as done to it as well. But uh, that is the fourth Pat Tierney novel, and it is called Uncharted Water. Uncharted Waters. And it is, it, it's a metaphor, uh, because Pat in this book, she's a 40 something financial planner, and um, she decides to buy her own practice. Um, she's, she's working for a large investment firm, and she wants to be her own boss. So she, uh, and instead of starting from scratch, she buys an existing practice from some from a, a person who's retiring, which is what what they do in that in that industry. And um, she then all hell breaks loose. She has to go into into debt, of course, to buy the practice. She is a, a single mom. Her she's a widow. She's got two children, and uh, she has to uh, make a, 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 a earn a living, and uh, the big problem is, is whether the clients uh, will, whether she can retain the clients uh, yeah. when you buy a practice. They don't necessarily want to stay with you. She's a woman. They were working with a man before. Perhaps they want to work with another man. You'd have no idea. So she's terrified that she spent all this money and uh, whether she'll retain the clients. But then uh, other other terrible things happen uh, in, 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 in the course of the book. So Uncharted Waters is a metaphor. There's no water or lake or river or ocean in, in unlike the book. Your other, unlike two of your other books. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. the, I'll, I'll talk about the other books in, in a second. Mm -hmm. But uh, so it's a metaphor. It's just uh, she's getting into she's, – she's going – Starting a journey where that she does not know where she's going, where it's going to lead. So the yeah. water, oh, Matt, the waters have been uncharted, and, and that's a wonderful theme for 2020 because with everything we're going through, and I, we've talked about this before, and I've told you my theory that every turn of a decade, every zero year. Um, is you the like start of something new like for me. Game. Being an Aries, it's the start of something new. And I was born in 1960. I've, I have no concerns about ageism. I, I think age is a, a wonderful thing to be proud of. You know, you've earned your right to brag about your age. Um, but every zero year is the start of something, in my opinion. And uh, I think Uncharted Waters coming out in 2020 is perfect because by the time it comes out in September, we're going to be so ready for new beginnings. 
<laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yes. The uh, the other book, uh, they all have watery titles. So that was when I was looking for a title. I wanted a, a, a water title, uh, but mm-hmm. I also wanted to to reflect what was going on in the book. And uh, so this, I think, combines the two. But the, the series all has water titles. The first one, I'm going to hold it up. Safe yes, Harbor. please. Can you Safe Harbor. Safe Harbor. And that's a metaphor, too. There is a safe harbor is a, actually in the book. It's a home for uh, for refugees to Canada, and also it it stands for Pat is has had a safe harbor for a while, and she's launching out into new directions in in the book. Uh, the next one is Black Water, and uh, that is that is set in um, cottage. Up a little country. higher, Rosemary. Up a little Ontario higher. There we go. Cottage. We can see it now. Ontario Cottage Country, and uh, that that is also stands for. Well, they do go snowmobiling on on the the lakes in March, and there's always the danger of black water. But black water also stands for all sorts of hidden uh, evil in that beautiful community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third one is Raven Lake. Now, and that actually is set on a lake called Raven Lake. In the book, and there's a fictitious, there's a real lake through that Raven Lake up in the Halberton Islands, probably many lakes uh, uh, throughout North America called Raven Lake, but uh, I, I like the name, so I just... The covers are stunning. They're just yes. stunning covers, and yes. um, yeah, and they're Sarah, beautiful titles. Sarah Carrick did that. This yes, book. Sarah did that one. That's right. Yes. That's yes. right. And she's going to do my my upcoming one as well i'm all excited about that yes yes so hopefully she can retain that beautiful theme and imagery you know Uh, it's just gorgeous it's a gorgeous series and uh pat tierney is a very likable character um i know you said she's mid-40s and she's uh, a financial planner what else can you tell us about her in her personal life uh she's a widow for about uh four years her husband died and uh she her personal life. Well, she's very busy with her family and and her and her work and her. Uh, she's a perfectionist. She's a bit of a worrier. Uh, she worries 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 about everything. And mm-hmm. like like myself, mm-hmm. so, but she's definitely not me. She's a blonde, and uh, I don't have any <laughs> children. And she has she has a family. And uh, I'm not a financial planner. A lot of people ask me if that journey is based on me. She certainly isn't. She's a much nicer person than I am. Oh, I doubt that. I'm looking at your smiling face, and uh, (laughs) you don't look like a worrier, but I know you are. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely were. That's the one thing we have in common. I'm not a financial planner either. I I was uh, a journalist for for all my my working life, and uh, in the latter perhaps 15, 20 years of my journalism career, I uh, I specialized in uh, personal finance. And small businesses, and that. so that's where the knowledge and the research comes from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I, for instance, in this in this book, she's buying a business, and this is something that I've written about uh, a mm-hmm. lot about people in the industry what they have to look. Now, for. your Pat Tierney stories have been shortlisted for awards, haven't they? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the very I had a, a, a very very first one. There was one uh, that uh, was it the Sweetheart Scamster. Uh, that's a short story. There, there was one that was um, uh, the very first Crime Writers of Canada has a uh, every year they have a, 
a wonderful award called the um, Unhanged Arthur. Yeah, so in 2007, 13 years ago, my very first Pat Tierney novel was shortlisted as a finalist for that. And that one, it never, basically, it, it's in the drawer. I started the series with the, the, the Safe Harbor book, uh, which is actually number two. And that first book was, I guess, a prequel of everything that happened. I was warming up, learning my craft. Yes, yes. Well, this is true with a lot of authors. And uh, don't be discouraged if your first novel isn't what you hope it would be put it in the drawer learn from it maybe one day you'll dust it off and fix it yeah. up as a prequel you take, know take, take pieces from it yes exactly cannibalize we do yes. that a lot yes. refurbishing it's called yes yes and one of, so the first one safe harbor actually the one that actually was published that uh was um uh, that was shortlisted for a, a british award called the debut dagger and that is is much like the Canadian Unhanged Arthur. It's mm -hmm. the uh, uh, a, a novel that is a first novel that has not yet been published yet. It has to be your yes. first novel. It, 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 you can have written other types of books, but first novel. And uh, so that was in 2010. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Canadians have applied for that, and uh, many of them have become finalists. Oh, and Louise Penny is, is the same, a famous one. So you share that with Louise Penny. Wow. I do. I, I'm prestigious so proud brothers, right? To, to share well, she that. shares that with you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very prestigious. If anybody's not familiar with the debut dagger, look it up because it is. It's quite a prestigious award. And to be shortlisted for that, it really does speak well of your work. But I was also thinking of your short stories because I believe right. the Sweetheart Scamster was nominated. The Sweetheart Scamster is a... Uh, it's a short story, not a novel, but it does feature the Pat Tierney character. And it was in the uh, Maydams of Mayhem's very first anthology called 13, uh, which came out, of course, in 2013. And that yeah. one was a finalist for the uh, an American award, the Derringer Award. Yes. And in, uh, yeah. Yes, yes, I remember that. Um, and that was a terrific story. If, if you're not familiar with the Maydams of Mayhem series of anthologies, look them up. They start with 13 by the Maydams of Mayhem. And uh, Rosemary McCracken's story, The Sweetheart Scamster, again, was nominated for a Derringer Award in the U.S. And uh, that's another prestigious award in the crime industry. So the crime industry, I love that. <laughs> the crime writing. Let me qualify. The crime writing. Industry. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We may we may love our crime, but only on the page, right, Rosemary? <laughs> That's right. Well, we can uh, write about our fantasy. Exactly. Exactly, and catch all those bad guys, as Sylvia likes to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In our minds. Now, um, tell me a little bit about your writing process and. Um, do you write every single day, for example? I wish I could. Uh, I write well in the morning, not early morning. I'm not an early morning person, uh, but uh, from, say, about um, 11 till till 1.30, and then a break, and then a, maybe a bit in the late afternoon. Um, but I can't write in the evening at all. And, yeah. uh, but I would like to, but uh, unfortunately life gets in the way. So that's my mm -hmm. best time in, in the morning. I'm fresh, my mind is fresh, 
And uh, but unfortunately, we have other things to do. Things things, yes. things happen <laughs> that you have. Yes, yes, exactly. You have whatever crises uh, around the house, and you have mm -hmm. to attend to them. So I and I don't, you know, if 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 I can't write one day. I don't let myself feel guilty about it. No, I just no. the next day. But I certainly I will never try after eight at night. It just doesn't work for me. No, but it I doesn't know. work for me either. Yeah. No, I'm definitely that. a morning person and yeah. uh I tend to be an early morning person. An early morning person. Yeah. Yes, yes. Right. Right. I, I'm passing out in front of the TV by <laughs> by a certain time in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps no telling me you you need more sleep. Fitbit keeps telling me, you know, <laughs> you need more sleep. Five is not cutting it. <laughs> the thing is though, that you have to do what works for you, you know, just yeah. find out what works for you. Like, just like writers groups, some people love, uh, thrive on them. I have, a, I have a good one, but other people, they don't work for them. So yes. you, know, you can't force yourself in anything creative like this. We have to, you know, find our, find our, Whatever, uh, yes. what works for us. Yes, I always recommend that uh, authors try for a writing group. Yeah. Try to get into a writing group um, because I do think. Sorry, are you in one, Jonna? Are you? Do you have a writers group? I still belong to. Um, I still sort of loosely belong at large to to one that um, we don't really meet anymore. Um, so. You know, but then I'm not as prolific as you right at the moment either. I'm really yeah. been focusing on other aspects. Yeah, of you, have other, you have other things you're doing. Yeah, crime writing industry. Yeah, yeah. but uh, definitely I saw a lot of value in it when I was, and it's particularly important I think when you're new at it. Yes, because yeah. you get feedback that you wouldn't get otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I, I've been in my current one for about 22 years. I can't remember exactly when I joined, if it's 21 or 22 or 23 years, but somewhere around then. And uh, it's, it's terrific. There's six of us, and mm -hmm. over those 20-some years, uh, we've had two people leave and two people come in. So it's, it's, uh, there's four people that are, uh, have been there with me from the start, and it was going before I joined as well. It wasn't mm -hmm. my first. I belonged to a couple before that, and they just banned it just really because of numbers. We didn't have enough enough people, and if one person leaves, uh, you have a group of, uh, of four. If one person leaves, you have three. That's not, and then, you know. Not enough. But, but you've had a very stable, uh, very stable group, very low turnover, and yes. that speaks highly, too. And the other thing I know, because I know your group. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I'm very lucky to know them all personally and call them all friends. And uh, the thing is, you grow, you grow professionally, you yes. grow creatively and professionally yes. together. Yes. And they're a very accomplished group. And when you look around and you see that you are one among, it's it's got to be a good pat on the back for you. Yes, you know? yeah. And I, I work well with them because of deadlines. Uh, being yes. a journalist, we always had had deadlines. I worked on a daily newspaper for a long, long time. So we generally had a deadline every day. We had by six o'clock at night you had to have that, that article in. And even when I worked on weeklies, you'd still have deadlines and you they're sacrosanct. You can't uh, mm -hmm. you know you can't miss the deadline or you don't get exactly. paid. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was a big in the newspaper and everything everything 
things are not your your bosses are not happy. So you have to make that deadline. So we have we meet once a month with the writers group, and uh, we have we're we have to you know we uh, about four days before we meet we email our pages into everybody in the group so they have a chance to look at them. And you, unless now you can often sometimes you have to miss. But I rarely miss, uh, you know, there's sometimes people, you know, they, they attend the meeting that they, they didn't write that month because yes. they happen in their families and whatever. And perhaps they're on the editing stage in a book and they can't write. But for me, missing means that there's one opportunity you've missed for people to, to look at your book and to give you some very good yeah. feedback. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's sometimes that's writing. Important. Sorry? Yeah. It's just so important to get that. Sometimes writers groups don't work for for you, and if I tell I I teach a course at George Brown College, and I tell the students I encourage them in the class uh, to form a writers group afterwards. But I say you know if you find a, a, a particular group is not working for you, get out because yes. sometimes you have some very critical people in there, especially yes. for a new writer. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about this before, Rosemary. Yeah. That if if I if you are new, you don't expect your work to be brilliant, but you yeah. still don't deserve or warrant really harsh criticism. No, and if, no. if a group or a person is being far too critical and damaging your sense of creativity and your sense of value, then you've got to get out. You've got to move yeah. on. Yeah, it has to be constructive criticism. Yes, you know, yes. There ha you have to uh, maybe a suggestion of what you can do to to make it a little bit better. That's right. That's right. Exactly. But um, you know, I mean, it's like everything else. There are all kinds of people everywhere, and when you do find the great group, it's a good fit and it works well. Yeah. And uh, other than getting into a good group or not getting into a group, is there any other uh, tip that you can pass on to new writers out there in particular? Well, new writers, I, uh, uh, there, there are a lot of courses uh, being given at, uh, at, at, at community colleges. Thank Here you. in Toronto, where you and I live, Donna, there's, we're so blessed. There, there's, there, there's colleges and there's, oh, there's workshops and libraries give uh, uh, public libraries often give uh, give workshops as well. There's a lot you can plug into, but I would say take a course. And at the end of the, the course, that's how I got into my first writers group. Uh, often the class decides that they like working working with each other so much that they meet afterwards, and that's mm -hmm. how the writers groups are formed. And you know who you're getting involved with. Because yes. you, you know you you've read you've already their, studied with them yes exactly so uh, so it's a good way to find a writers group but it's also a good way if you're starting off they ha there are um, mystery writing courses there's romance writing courses uh, mm -hmm. there's uh, at George Brown there's a, a science fiction writing course uh, mm -hmm. memoir writing so whatever you like it's out there and you get a little bit of instruction on generally they're twelve weeks. And once mm -hmm. once a week in the evening, and um, the a little bit of instruction of what the norms of that genre are, which yes. is helpful. And there's a lot of good books out there in uh, 
in, in libraries, a lot of good books in, uh, in chapters in the go and yeah. uh, bookstores that you can... Learning uh, some of the technical skills is something that yeah. we, often, we often don't talk enough about it. I mean, it's a creative process and it is a business, but we don't really talk about the technical aspects as right. much as we did. And it is important if you value your craft to really try to pick up as much and polish up as much of the technical skills as you can. And courses are a great way to do that workshops mm -hmm. you know um and your public library probably has some interesting things going on there as well librarians are the writers a writer's best friend yes. uh they they talk about your book too they talk up your book to uh to the people that uh, come into and use the library and yes. they love books they love reading of course mm -hmm. and uh, they are often they they uh, they often organize uh, workshops and they bring writers in to give uh, little talks and uh, in the evening they're all generally these, these things are all free of charge at a library whereas yes. a college will charge you tuition to take, mm -hmm. to take the course but so check out your public library and find out what's going on there they generally yes. print out little uh, uh, booklets cal upcoming calendar booklets of what's coming up in the next now you month. might have to do a lot of this online until the current pandemic situation is, yes. is over but uh, that shouldn't stop you from researching and finding out what you want to do and yeah. where you'd like to go with it if you're a new writer and yeah. for readers i really encourage you to look up rosemary mccracken and uh her wonderful pat tierney series blackwater um safe harbor I'm sorry? Yeah. Safe Harbor's the first one. Safe Harbor. Safe Harbor. I knew I was missing one. Blackwater. Safe Harbor, Blackwater, Raven Lake, and in September, look for Uncharted Waters. Yes, a watery title, a watery series. A watery <laughs> theme by Rosemary McCracken. <laughs> and they are wonderful books. You're going to enjoy them. They're highly, highly skilled. And you're going to like the Pat Tierney character. She really is an every woman. And uh, I just enjoy her a lot. Thank you, Donna. You're welcome. It was wonderful to see you, Rosemary. Thank you so much for coming on Dead to Rights. And, Thank uh, you for having me. And please thank Ed for dropping in. I, I, it was a pleasure to see him as well. Okay. Have a lovely day, Donna. You too. I want to thank Rosemary McCracken for joining us today on Dead to Rights. We've really enjoyed speaking with her about her work and about her views on uh, crime genre industry in, in general. So if you want to find more about her work, you can look her up at uh, her website or on social media. And her titles again are Safe Harbor, Blackwater, Raven Lake, and soon to be released in 2020 will be Uncharted Waters. And that's Rosemary McCracken. Thank you very much. Thanks also to Ted Carrick, who produced and uh, composed and created and performed our, our theme song, Eyes of Gold. I always get a big kick out of playing it. So be sure to join us next week when we'll be speaking with Caro Souls. And Caro has a, a wonderful series of Mercurian mysteries. Um, please look her up. It's S-O-L-E-S. -E and we'll see you next week. 19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. 
If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Dusty road, man alone. His vital signs go on hold. And I don't know what you've been told. But the years have turned my eyes gold. And I told you what you told me We'd never be in the same boat for free Yet it rides Let it rock